Welcome to the Partnernomics Show, where industry thought leaders discuss the hottest topics in partnerships, ecosystems, and innovation. The Partnernomics Show is brought to you by IOLife Solutions, a product incubator specific to Salesforce. Now here's the host of the Partnernomics Show, Mark Brigman. Welcome back to another episode of the Partnernomics Show. It's good to be with you again today. We've got a special guest, man. This is going to be a good education. Really looking forward to this, uh, Jake. I know you and I have been talking for a long time about getting you on here, and I'm glad we were able to, to finally do that. But today's guest is Jake Atwood. So Jake is the CEO of The Channel Builder, and I've really enjoyed the opportunity to get to know Jake over the past uh several months and man he has a he's doing a lot of really cool stuff for partnering professionals but jake good to, good to see you again today hey yeah thanks mark for having me let's have some fun so um jake if you wouldn't mind man i'd love to just uh for folks that might not be familiar with you might not be seeing your content on linkedin would you mind just kind of giving us a little bit of your background and, and what uh you guys are doing at the channel builder yeah you know my background goes back a couple of decades i was a sales coach and first began helping companies directly generate leads and find customers and then kind of along the way explored, you know, the idea of a partner channel. Uh, my first go at it was a total miserable failure. When, and so I kind of learned the hard way what to do and what not to do with channels over a decade ago. And so now what we're doing is helping a lot of clients in certain areas where they experience challenges with finding the right partners, recruiting them, onboarding them, and just making sure they're actively out there promoting the, the vendor. And there's a good win-win for both sides. Yeah, one of the things I love and uh, why I like talking to Jake so much is I mean, partner recruiting. Like whenever we talk to our clients, that is one of the, if not the top uh, question that's out there is, man, how can they do it? How can they do it more effectively? So I'm really looking forward to this episode with you. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Uh, five minutes for the first question. So let me go ahead and get that uh, fired up. And so, Jake, what are top channel programs doing to make sure that they get the right partner? <clears throat> Well, it seems like a kind of a basic question, right? But it, there's a lot to it. And we all know this idea of let's identify our ideal customer profile. Let's ideal, identify our ideal partner profile. And that's where things get tricky because, you know, there's actually a lot of ways to, to look at that. You know, I'll give you an example. It seems common sense, but in the last week, Mark, I've gotten two calls from partner managers that wanted to partner with me more on the uh, channel builder side. And the first was a credit card processing company. And I'm thinking of this, what does our consulting company have to do with credit card processing. And they said, well, I'm sure a lot of your customers process credit cards so you can recommend us, but it's, it's just not a fit. It's not aligned because we're not having conversations that are about that. And it would be a whole different sales process or conversation for us to have. The second I got a call just yesterday from a company that's a cybersecurity firm and same thing, they want to partner with us. And so I don't think they've really sat down and looked at, you know, who do we talk to that are already having conversations with customers that would align with what we're doing? In other words, you want to find partners that are already out there trying to solve problems that relate to the problems you can also solve. So you're just one new way they can solve that problem. And there's a lot of ways to solve a certain problem. Consultants do it through consulting and advice and process. Uh, tech firms do it through automation and technology and certain platforms. Uh, BPO companies do that through outsourcing or putting better people in those positions to manage those processes. So there's a lot of ways, as I say, to skin that cat. So that's one thing. And then I don't know if you've seen this, Mark, but when I see a lot of companies putting together their channel for the first time and thinking about who should our first 10 partners be, they immediately go to like the biggest players out there. They're thinking, gosh, if I could just land like those 10 largest agencies or 10 largest consulting companies, we'd be set. 
And the problem is a number of things. One is a lot of times they're pay to play. They don't want to talk to you unless you pay them a pretty big sum. And two, they are really tough to get into and they can take all your resources and all your time to get into. And then even once you're in, my experience has been, they don't give you much attention, especially if you're a smaller player. You don't mean a lot to them because you're just one of a ton of partners they've got. So uh, what I learned along the way is in working with guys like yourself and companies that also do um, channel kind of consulting and some of the, the partners we've worked with that we found to be the best is uh, other smaller boutique firms. Like, have you found that to be the same same case? Yeah, absolutely, man. You bring up so many <clears throat> great points. I think that one one thing that hops into my head is as you're kind of you know describing that is whenever you first kick off a partnership from from the partner's side, um, I mean, they're they're sales reps, they're employees, the folks that are out talking. Uh, they're creatures of habit and they're going to be selling and they're going to be talking about solutions, their partner solutions that they know. And if you're brand new to the game, you have to do work your way in for them to understand what you're doing. So they even know to pitch it or even mention it. And especially as you're, you're saying those larger organizations, I mean, sometimes they have at least a hundred or more mm -hmm. other solutions yeah, but nobody can remember all of that. And certainly if you're brand new, they're they're not going to probably even know it. Uh, so, man, I love that strategy of working in. Um, also, I, I kind of saw this, this picture when you were talking about strategy and being well aligned. I always envision like this interstate system or like tracks of a highway where strategic fit, man, just like you're talking about, mm -hmm. it's, it's not just about having access to customers everybody has access to customers whatever but it's about having access to the right customers that's going to be able to you know accelerate your timeline and have that highest probability of getting a yes being able to solve um the the customer's need man that's there's some yeah, yeah. and there. you know um we worked with a consultant at a company called dlh services you know Didi. we both know Didi over there and she had an interesting thing so she looked at the partnerships that a few of her clients had, and they found that the most fruitful ones, the ones that were driving the most revenue were the partners that had an average of eight employees. That's it, eight. And so don't discount some of these smaller firms thinking, oh, they won't have enough customers or whatever. They may not have as many customers as the larger players, but they've got usually more intimate relationships, more trusted relationships, um, and they'll work harder on your behalf to help you get into those relationships than some of the bigger players will. So it's really more, I think, in my mind about quality over quantity. Um, yeah. And that's a mistake I made with my first partner channel 10 years ago at a software company called Buzz Builder. I was thinking about how I could grow up through partnerships. So I went out and reached out to all these sales coaches and marketing agencies and advisors. I signed up like 50 of them. And I thought, I'm set. The future is, 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 is here. And then I think over the next six months, Mark, maybe like three of them um, actually sent me a deal. And so I'm, I think a lot of the folks in this call can relate to that. We recruit a lot of dead wood. And we'll get into reasons why that is and what we can do to kind of enable more of them and get them to be out there. But, you know, when I look back, I simply recruited a lot of the wrong kind of partners. And I look back and wonder why some of them even said yes to the partnership because it didn't make sense for either side. Yeah, you know, it's easy. It's easy to get a contract. It's hard to get a true partner, right? That's what I like to say. It's right. easy to get a contract signed. It's hard to get a get a good partner. Let me uh, fire a question number two at you, and that is... Um, what do we do to make partner recruiting like easier, faster, more efficient? What are some some of those strategies that we could put in place there? Yeah, that's that's a good question because you know it's it's a it's a time game. I mean, it's it's when we're recruiting, it's it's a lot of hunt and peck. 
We have to kiss a lot of frogs to find the prince. We have to do a lot of searching. And we, we spend more time searching than having conversations, it feels like. And so there's, there's some things you can do, like we talked about, making sure you're focusing your time on the best quality partners. And so, you know, for example, I have a client of mine that they sell a solution you can use to kind of scale a business and help it to plan for how you're going to scale. And so they offer it to business advisors. And a new group they want to get into are CPAs because they're finding a lot of CPAs, at least some of them are putting on a new hat to say, hey, I want to be a business advisor, not just a number cruncher. So they made this attack going after all these CPAs, but they still didn't really have it dialed into their ideal partner profile, not being every CPA, but only the ones that mention on their website or like their LinkedIn profile that they also want to be their business advisor or business growth advisor. So, you know, they waste a lot of time talking to the wrong people. So there's that. Um, you know, I've always thought in some cases it's easier to be a thief than a hunter. So if you've got competitors that have a more mature channel than you do, why couldn't you borrow some of their partners from that? Especially if you could be offering them something their current partner or vendor does not. And usually they'll, they'll even like publicize on their partner portal or their website, you know, locate a partner. They'll, 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 you can scrape that list, go out and find who the founder or CEO is and contact them. Um, I've also been a fan mark of teaming up with other companies that are, that are complimentary to me that have partners that are good for me. So if I sell hot dogs, find a company who makes the buns because those partners could sell both the hot dog and the bun, right? So find partners where there's some complimentary, you know, tag team efforts that could happen there. So I think that's a missed opportunity with a lot of with channels. I guess, what's your experience on that? Have you found that to be successful with anybody you, you've worked with? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, it's, it's about fit from the beginning. And one of the things that, that we've uh, created that, that we like to share is what we call the partnership success pyramid. Trust, alignment, transparency, esprit de corps, which means the ultimate level of commitment to get the results. You know, we also talk about partnering being on this continuum between like very transactional on one side where it's like low or no collaboration all the way to the strategic side. And so I think like one of the first things that I, you know, like to think about whenever we're recruiting partners or coaching people, you know, on setting up programs is understand like where you are on the continuum uh, of partnerships and what you're looking for. And what I encourage people to do, and it's a lot of what you're sharing uh, right now, Jake, and that is start on the more strategic side um, where you have partners where I'm envisioning like these, this Venn diagram, the more mm -hmm. overlap you have, the faster you're going to be able to hit that accelerator. Um, and to be able to get the opportunities, you know, that could provide that mutual value where you provide, you know, to your partner, obviously, and to the end customer and and vice versa. Um, but I just, mm -hmm. I, man, I just go back to it's easy to get a contract. Right. It's hard to get a partner. And there's a difference there. There's a difference. Big difference. Big difference. And, you know, what we're doing a lot of now, too, in the recruitment aspect, at least, is once you get really defined on your profiles, right down to they have this kind of a LinkedIn profile, right? Then you can get automated and still be personalized. We're a big fan of using automation once you get that dialed in. I'm not a fan of automation when it's spray and pray. When you're reaching out to just any possible partner, you want to have a separate kind of messaging track and automation track for each person. So one specifically for CPAs who mentioned on the LinkedIn profile that they're also business advisors. Now, if you found, let's say, 100 of those people, you can email them in mass, but still have messaging that's very on point and doesn't feel automated or like it's a blast message. And so you can automate LinkedIn. You can use tools like Buzz Builder, which is an email automation tool. We've right now, we've um, 
seen about a 50-50 split between using LinkedIn and email as far as results. So about half of the partners we recruit, we found them on LinkedIn and reached them that way. The other half, we found them either on LinkedIn or other data tools, but we reached them through email. So everyone's kind of got their communication uh, drug of choice, you could say, right? So you know, I'd say another easy way to reach them is, is don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So maybe you're more comfortable using LinkedIn, so that's kind of your go-to, but maybe your partners aren't LinkedIn users. And so you want to have multi-channel when it comes to recruitment efforts and have different ways to, to, to track them. Let me fire question number three at you, Jake, and that is, what kinds of questions should we be asking, uh, you know, these partner candidates whenever we're essentially interviewing them? What's what, what kind of information do we want to have to be able to evaluate them? Yeah, and this is where I think you'll have a lot of insight into this for sure as well. And I've learned a lot just talking to you over the last few months about this. You know, I think the mistake we we make as partner managers, maybe not um, on purpose, but just as a result, of what we're trying to accomplish is. We tend to send the message that it's all about us as the vendor. And I've sent countless partners to vendors and they've come back to me and said, that conversation was so one-sided. It was all about the vendor, what they expected from me, um, what they wanted me to do for them. And so, you know, questions you ask should be more about not just what you can do for me as the vendor, but what can I do for you as the partner? Now, there can be qualifying um, as a vendor myself, what can I do to as, as a partner? I mean, you can ask qualifying questions like what kind of customers do you work with? What industries? Um, you know, what kind of projects are you involved in? What kind of challenges are you helping them solve? I think that gets to the alignment you're talking about there, Mark, making sure that the types of things they're doing are things that we can help them do even better with our solutions. But then get into how can I support you as a vendor? You know, what would be most valuable for you to have as a partner to make this partnership worthwhile for you or, or on, you know, max volume? Yeah. And we can get into some of that too. And one of the most common responses we get is, hey, Anything you can do beyond register to drive leads for me or refer business back to me, I'll be in love with you. So we'll get we'll get into kind of how you do that. But you know, it's what can we do for the partner and focus more on that and get them super psyched about, hey, with this partnership, here's the impact that was going to be on your business. And let's ask some questions around, you know, what impact is going to be most important to you. Yeah, I think and this what's is, your, your spin on that. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is like the I think one of the very most <clears throat> important parts of the partnering process is that first conversation, I believe. And so I, I definitely have a lot of thoughts here. One of those is, man, don't be afraid to get a no. And a lot of times I would say drive to get a no. Uh, you're going to save yourself a lot of wasted time in the end. Be okay with no, it's not about a contract, it's about a partner. Second thing, be clear on what the hell you want and be clear on what you're willing to give up. So we have something called needs, wants, limits analysis. What do I need to have out of this relationship or I'm going to walk away? What are some wants? What are some nice to have? What what's some icing on the cake if I can get it? And what are my limits? What am I totally unwilling to do? And have the conversation to try to have, we call them partner candidates, right? Have, have that candidate mm -hmm. basically paint that same picture for you. And I would say probably even the most important thing that I have found is don't lay out the job description and have them say <laughs> yes or no, right? Amen. Yeah. Turn that and have them describe, you ask open-ended questions and have them describe whatever that, is. like you had mentioned, uh, what industries do you plan? What companies do you go after? What what 
levels or at the organization? What you know, kind of job titles, job functions, these different groups do you sell into or get connections? Have them supply the answer. You don't supply the answer and have them say yes, no. Uh, I, I think all too often, man, we're just we're part of people are super nice down, right? people. We're trying yeah. to get to a yes. We all want to kind of you know, grab arms and, and lock in and go conquer the world. But just look at the statistics of failed partnerships. You know, those partners, oh, those, those contracts we sign that are unfruitful. There's there's reasons behind that. And there is a better way to to do that. And hopefully some of these insights would, would share. But does any of that uh, resonate? I, yeah, I, you know, one of the ways I begin a conversation, I don't want to go negative, but I, I want to lay a, a realistic foundation and not be all hype and, and smoke and mirrors, right? So I'll start the conversation saying, hey, we're going to fit for everybody. And I'm not sure if we're fit for you as a partner. Let's explore that. And, you know, kind of start off with a no and see if we can work our way to a yes, in a, in a sense. I love that, man. I, I absolutely love that. And I believe it wholeheartedly. Uh, all right, Jake, I got question number four, a fourth and final question I'd love to launch to you. And that is, uh, what can you do to prevent partners from kind of ghosting you or you're all hyped up you're all excited you got the deal signed hey let's rock and roll and next thing you know you can't you can't get them to respond to an email a, a you know a phone call you don't even know what are you talking about that never where happens. are they at <laughs> they jumped on one yeah, of that... elon musk rockets man they like left the planet <laughs> right they were so excited and then that just took a 180 overnight and all of a sudden nothing's happened and you feel like you're doing all the work and you're giving them all these marketing materials and doing nothing with them. And, and then I, I, I wondered that myself for years until I heard a really great phrase from a partner manager that said, remember, these are not your employees. They're not contract salespeople. They're not contract, you know, they're, they're partners. They have their own business. They have their own initiatives. They have their own priorities. And you are in that list of priorities where you end up and that list of priorities is up to you as a vendor. So what can you do to become a higher priority? And so, you know, I look at number one, again, making sure we both talk about how this is going to impact them as a partner, not just how it's going to be, you know, rev share. It's funny because if, if I list out all the reasons a partner signs up, revenue share is not usually at the top of the list. It's a number of things. It's, hey, this could give me another way to add value to my client, to differentiate myself. This would give me another way to have get my foot in the door with companies. This could be um, a way to have joint marketing with another company that could benefit both of us with leads. Uh, so the more you can do to again, add as much value as possible, uh, right down to co-marketing and co-selling with that person, especially for the first few months. So what I see happen a lot, and you've probably seen this too, right? They've got this partner management system. Um, they load it full of, uh, the, the portal is loaded full of marketing materials. They give the new partner a login, and then they say, all right, have at it. And then what do you find happens, Mark? <laughs> a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> Not even a login. And, yeah. And, you know, I wanted, and, you know, some of these partners are super self-starters. They're just sales engines or marketing machines. And those are great when you can find them. Those are the frigging unicorns, you guys. They really are the unicorns. And so you can't expect every partner to be like that. Be grateful you've got at least a couple of them maybe in your channel if, you, if you're lucky enough to find them. The rest of them, here's what they need from you. They need you to build the machine. So if you expect them to go out and email and do campaigns to their clients, write the emails for them. Even go so far as to find the email marketing tool, one like BuzzBuilder or any machine out there you can load. Maybe it's one you already have. Most of these partners will not have their own marketing tools yet. Or if they do, they don't even use them for their own purposes. So 
Uh, and again, if they do, great, leverage those, but in most cases, don't assume that they do. Um, assume that they don't and say, hey, what can we do to help you get the word out to your customers? What if we created an email campaign, co-branded it, launched it on your behalf to your customer list or prospect list, and then we can run deals with you when those turn in opportunities. And at least do that for the first few months until they understand you know, how to do this on their own. And then you can, you can pass away the car keys to them if you want. Love that approach, man. I could not agree more. I mean, you got to enable their success, but kind of show them the way of, of how to do that. And you bring up a huge point there, and that is a lot of partners, and I would say this is even a growing number, are not necessarily interested in rev shares. Um, I think maybe that was different uh, back in the day, but today it seems like more companies are interested in they're interested in getting leads themselves and absolutely yeah, they're interested in having you take care of their customer and make sure they have a great experience. And I mean, because it's a reflection upon them, but um, whenever you're looking at recruiting a partner, having the conversation, don't assume, Hey, I've got this big juicy revenue share because we're seeing more and more organizations that they're that's, that's not what does it for them. Or at least that's not at the top of the list. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, if we interviewed 10 channel partners and said, what are you looking for? Number one from the vendor, what would provide the most value to you? They wouldn't say the rev share. They wouldn't say that what they say is if they can refer business to me, that's more valuable to me than rev share or anything else. Then second would be lead gen together. And then down the list is going to be rev share. Of course, that's not going to be unimportant, but again, in most cases you're offering 10% or 15% or 20%. They're not going to get rich in most cases off your revenue share, but they will get rich off of new business for themselves in addition to your revenue share. Yeah, no question, no question. Um, one of the, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a tool guy, Jake, but uh, one of the tools that I would recommend people use or at least try this, and that is, we call it the 90 day plan. And so there's a first 90 days plan, then there's this perpetual 90 day plan. But what I'd recommend is two different things. I mean, essentially, you you build a plan that has some milestones in there and some goals, first 90 days of what you're going to accomplish. And it may just be like onboarding, enablement, kind of get, getting some emails drafted, looking good, doing research. Um, as you mentioned, I could not agree more. Whenever you write scripts, don't spray and pray and be generic. If you're going for uh, accounting firms in the Northeast that also have a consultancy, I mean, say that and, and put it in there and get to that level of, of specificity. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely use those plans, set goals. But I would say even like one of the most important things is recruit and contract based upon getting a partner that's going to commit to doing that with you. Uh, so many times when we like go all the way through this recruiting process, we sign the contract and it's like, okay, now what do we do? Well, what was your, what was your evaluation criteria on the front end? That needs to be a part of, right. we say the 90 day plan. This is what we're both signing up to, to deliver. And I think that if, if you both got the plan, you agree on the plan, then it's easier to, to know what to execute. Most of these partners, I think the challenge is when they sign up, they don't know what to do next. And, you know, again, guiding them toward a portal or to marketing content isn't a plan. That's just collateral. That's a, and, and marketing materials don't sell. The process sells. The, the tools sell. You know, the, the plan, the execution is where it's at. So 
Again, make sure they understand step one, step two, step three. And is that you executing by yourself? Is it you executing with us? Or are there steps where we will execute on your behalf? And then again, gradually, maybe that, that, that evolves into something else. But again, what's the first thing? I think the 90 days, the first 90 days is, is critical. And that's the mistake I made. And the first 90 days, I treated my partners like they were contract salespeople. And I thought because they were sales coaches and marketing agencies that they'd just be able to go out and run all these campaigns on their own. And that's not the case. Now, fast forward 10 years today, what do we do? Well, every new partner gets a free buzz builder account. They get a, a dedicated campaign coordinator that runs campaigns on their behalf. We actually source the data for them on our dime. We run campaigns for them. We generate leads for them. And we don't just generate leads that only benefit BuzzBuilder. We generate leads that benefit both of us. So sometimes it's a lead that doesn't actually benefit BuzzBuilder. It only benefits them and they love us for it. And so again, we've, we've learned the, the hard way um, how to treat partners in a way that gets some money to come back to us over and over and over again and bring us business, you know, in addition to what we bring them. And Jake, full of great insights, man. As always, thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us. I'm already looking forward to the next time we get to chat. <laughs> yeah, likewise. Thanks again, Mark. All right. Have a good call. afternoon. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Partnernomics Show. Don't forget to subscribe to get the newest episodes at thepartnernomicsshow.com. Special thanks to our sponsors, Iolite. To learn more about Iolite, visit iolitepro.com and Partnernomics, the science of partnering. To learn more about these suite of Partnernomics courses, coaching programs, and consulting services, visit Partnernomics.com. See you on the next episode.